Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Thank you for listening to Bluebells Forever. This is Sherry Lewis, your host. And my interview with Jan Drake Backey is a wonderful interview, but I do want to do a warning of a sensitive matter about sexual assault. So I just wanted to let you know that is in the interview. It's a, it's a hard story, but there's such beautiful a redemption out of it. But at 23 minutes and 30 seconds till about 25.05 is where the telling of that story is. So if that is not something that would be good or kind for you to listen, then please just forward through that part. But thank you for listening. And here is Jan Drake Backey. Welcome to Jan Drake Backey. And this has taken a lot of us, for, a lot for us to get this interview together. And it's going to be worth it. I just love talking to you before we actually started recording, because I know we've had to deal with technical issues <laughs> and it worked. We finally got on here. We had to do an iPhone and have some changes, but that's the fun of technology. And when it doesn't work, it's annoying. And when it does, it's a miracle that I am talking to you. I'm in Seattle and you're in Vegas. We're on the same coast, which makes this easier for time. But also, you know, we've also wanted to uh, work around what you've got going on with your health and do this in a time that gives you, you know, you can pace yourself and not be tired. And I want to just thank you for mainly that you've been really willing to do this. And I love that. I want to make sure that it wasn't like a have to, but like something you would actually enjoy and to take care of yourself. And if it didn't turn out to be a good day to do it, that we could just reschedule because I feel like your health and well-being is the most important thing. So Jan, however you would like to introduce yourself and if you want to tell a little bit more about that, but we'll just start into some conversation of who you are and how you ended up as a bluebell dancer. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Sherry. You are so kind. I love the way you speak about things. You say it so well. Um, and we had a nice talk before this and I feel very comfortable about this and I, I wanted to do it. it. You didn't have to push me at all. I'm so glad and so honored to be able to do this and to share. Um, this has been some of the most important and uh, relevant and exciting experiences of my life. <laughs> so I'm glad to share about it. Um, yeah, to start off with, sorry, with uh, my health, uh, it's been ongoing for many years, about 17 to 18 years. And um, today I went to a doctor's appointment again, and they are taking a massive load of more tests. And that's about my fifth doctor this month. Um, so what happened was I've been going along with this chronic disease, whatever they call it fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and it has other things that go along with it. I have heart problems, and I have a pacemaker, and I've had a heart attack and all that um, heart surgery. But something came up just recently, and all of a sudden, I started losing weight like crazy, like 15 pounds. And so I've been to the ER a few times, too, because my body closed up, and I wasn't able to eat. So that that's when it gets really scary. So that's what they're doing a lot of tests on right now. That's what we're at right now is trying to figure this out. But um, I have faith that I'm going to pull through. And I know that God is the higher, the highest power. <laughs> and he knows what he's doing. And so I'm, I'm leaving it up to him, really. Um, Mother, Father, God. And so... Yeah. I just say means, something yeah. of your of uh -huh. your posts. They're always so uplifting, and there is something like you did share a little bit with me of the woods. But there is such uh, like I want to say the mother mother part of God, or I want to mm -hmm. say goddess in a way that feels like it, there's so much beauty in all your posts of the art that you choose, and the um, but it's not like just cheesy uh, positivity. There's something that that made me want to interview, and then you reached out to me. I'm like, yeah, there's something. Of, of your post that feels like there's some connection with something that's higher than just our everyday. Oh, I am so glad to hear that because that is what, that's what I want to come through. That's what I, you know, that's what I aim for. And that's what I try to live for too. So I'm that I appreciate that. I'm glad it's coming through that way. Um, yeah, I, I do a lot of poetry. I'm really into that. And, and when, well, this can be later on in the session, but I, 
became a psychic later on and I was able to like get a lot of poetry while I was in my meditations and for my clients words oh. would come through so I do a lot of like uh, well channeling is what they call it I don't know I just rest and I start writing and automatic writing I guess supposedly and just do do words and poets poetry and then I love to see the pictures with it and so Anyway, that's what I love to do and share it for people and it, it uplifts them and it uplifts me too. It makes me feel better. So, but thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, what, yeah, were you like so, as a, what were you like as a child? Was that something in your personality or in your makeup as a kid? And then I, I know you told um, me a little bit, it wasn't just, it wasn't dance necessarily that got you toward yeah. being a bluebell. You had another huge successful passion. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> well, I, uh, they, they started me out in gymnastics at seven years old. And my dad saw me on the swing set in our backyard. And I was like a monkey, just doing all kinds of stuff naturally without even being taught. I just did it. And he said, Oh, my goodness. He was in the FBI. And some of his friends had their daughters in a gymnastic team. And they told him about the team. And they said, get your daughter in it. And so he did. He took me over. And um, I started, it was in the UNLV gym in the weight room. And that's where we had our workouts and in the beginning, in the 60s. And I took to it. I just, it just was natural. I don't know. It just, my body could do it. I could do the tricks, not tricks. We called them moves back then. Um, and I developed very quickly in the gymnastics. And within a year, I became a state champion, and within two years, I became a national champion. Oh my gosh. So we we made it to the uh, the Olympic tryouts and went to Tennessee and did that. And there were the class one advanced girls who did it, and our team was tenth in the nation. And so we made, and that was history. We've made history, and we're going into the archives at in the university too. You know, I'll be here very soon, and. Um, so that was a big, that was my first thing that I did. But during that time, uh, we had ballet classes and it was Belinda DeBecker who gave the ballet class at the gym on our gym nights. And we would go up in the upstairs and she'd give us like a uh, 45 minute ballet class. And she did like a, she was more Russian style, I, I guess. And oh my goodness, I took to that too. I loved it. And because I loved it so much, my parents had me do privates with her and my coach wanted me to do privates with her too. And so I was getting the good, that good ballet during that time um, while the gymnast, while I was getting trained for the Olympics as a gymnast, because that's what they, my coach decided that I was going to be after he saw how fast I was improving. He asked my parents, are you ready for this? I want to take her to the Olympics and I have to get your approval. And so anyway, it was a big ordeal. And we did, and, and uh, we, so I trained. I trained a lot, and it was um, many hours a week. We had regular workouts, like three nights a week for two, two or three hours, and then on Saturday we had three-hour workouts. But then I had private workouts with my coach two or three times a week, and then I had private workouts with my dad two or three times a week. So wow. And oh in the, yeah, it was it was a lot. And then in the summer, we had eight-hour workouts every day. So we had one day off Sunday. Oh, my so God. So the, doing the shows was nothing compared to what you went through. Well, no. This, I, I have to say, I, and I will get, get into that when I tell you about the ballet experience, but uh, no, the shows were hard still. The shows were very – in fact, and that's what I wanted to tell everybody since I can compare it. Um, yeah. the, the shows are – the, the level of dancing and dancers in our big shows and in the small shows, in the dance, the level of these people are incredible. And they are on the Olympic level that mm, a lot of wow. them are. So I just want to give you guys that because you deserve to know that. And a mm. lot of my friends, and, I'll, and we did talk about Sarah Honey, she and I would take ballet almost every day, even though when you're in the show, you don't really need to take ballet every day anymore because you're dancing every night. But some of us just had that aptitude to want to keep our technique up. And, and um, we did that. And 
I did that because I was so used to training so much and you know, rehearsals and all that before a gymnastic meet that it was normal to, you know, for me to, to practice more than ever, you know what I mean? And I, I never felt that I was a very good ballet dancer, which I wasn't. That's the truth because I only had about two years of Belinda. And then I went into Virginia, Virginia Lee and her studio that was in town in the sixties back then she taught ballet and she taught ballet to all the, the dan- a lot of the show kids, show people. And she got me on point and that was fun to be on point. And I only had about two years from her. So I really didn't get enough ballet training to have that true ballet line that the ballerinas had, you know what I mean? But, you know, I had, I had introduction to ballet and I got a few years of it. And, um, but it was not until later until I got into college that I really started taking ballet every day. And then from then on, I never stopped for about 25 years. But mm. even with, even with all that, I'm not kidding. I still didn't, I was still never happy with myself. I never felt that I was good. I never felt good enough. And even in the shows, I just felt like, God, look at all these girls around me. They are so amazing. I mean, and truly they were, they were all ballet trained. They were all ballerinas. They really were and all very good. So I felt like I had to like punch myself a little bit to be next to them. And one time Linda Nordvig over at Hello Hollywood, who sat next to me said, why are you taking class every day when you don't need to? You've made it. You've made it to the big time. You're here. You arrived. <laughs> you yeah. don't need to kill yourself anymore. And she was right, but I didn't listen. So I just kept taking class anyway. When you and, gr- um, growing up in Las Vegas, did you, were you aware of the shows? Cause I feel like at that time there were so many shows happening in Vegas, like, you know, the, the, the stardust and, and what was MGM at the time. Were you aware of that? Was that not oh really God. in your scope as growing up in Vegas? I'm so glad you asked that. That's perfect. Um, yes, I was very well aware of them and we talked about it. And when I was about, I forgot about this story and I'm glad you mentioned this. Um, it leads me right into Janice Kingham who worked as a, as the acrobat line captain over at the Folies Vigere at the Tropicana. And we met her cause she lived across the street from us. And she saw me tumbling on the front yard because I did that quite often with my dad. And she came over and said, well, I'm the, I'm the uh, acrobat, you know, uh, line captain. And do you want to come into the show? And I said, I was about 11 years old then. And I said, yeah, I want to come in. And she, she said, but we can't get you in until you're 13. And she says, can I, can I, um, can we go to the gym or to a studio and, and let's look at some of your tumbling skills? And I said, Sure. And my dad was like cracking up and he said, she's a gymnastics national champion. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we, we went, we went and she, we went to uh, or junior high and we did workouts, private workouts with her. And she was so excited and so impressed. And then she got to tumble too. She showed us what she could do and she was excellent. Um, and she just said, let's get you in the show. And in the meantime, will you help me teach one of my classes in a studio called Contortion? I said, sure. And I said, what's Contortion? And she goes, well, you'll see it when we get there. And you just start teaching it because I know you can do it. And that's exactly how it went. I just <laughs> went into the studio with her. And, uh, every, and uh, you know, of course, I could do everything that, sh- that they did. So I just started teaching with her and that was so fun to teach a class with her. She was like in her thirties and I was 11. I can't believe 11. You're doing that. That's amazing. Yeah. It was my first class that I taught and it was so much fun. And, um, my dad was there part of the time, not every time, but sometimes he was there all the time when I took ballet too. He, he was like, you know how you have a showbiz, uh, uh, parent well it was my dad your dad was the so one he was he was the one did you but see the anyway, show with the follies did you see what that was no I never I never saw the show she just said I want you in the show so let me go ask the boss and I not I can't remember who the boss was back then um but he he already knew about me because I'd already been in the newspapers and on tv 
to the gymnastics. And so he said, yeah, she's hired. She can come in, but she has to be 13 years old. She doesn't need to audition. We'll just take her in when we have an opening, but she has to be 13. Legally, we can't take her in at 11. And I mean, unbelievable. I mean, it was such an honor to receive that. And uh, I was, and then I turned 13 and she said, and it was like, my mom said no from the get-go. And then I was 13 and Jenna says, okay, let's do it. I said, I want to so much, but my mom won't allow it. So I didn't get to do it. I didn't get to do it. So anyway, that was that story. But yeah, we knew all about, we knew all about it, all the shows. And we, that was sort of the end of that. Um, We never really talked about me becoming a dancer or a showgirl because I had been so involved in the gymnastics. They, I mean, I don't know, you know, it just, we just didn't really think about it. Um, but cause my dad then wanted me to get, be in the circus. So when Ringling and brothers came around, um, we got an audition set up and I auditioned for them and I got the job and I was about, well, what was I? I think I was 13 then. And, um, but then my mom said, no, <laughs> no to the so, circus, no to the show girls yeah. at 13. <laughs> so I didn't do that either. But my, my dad was pleased to know that I got hired by, would have, I mean, could have gotten hired by the Ringling Brothers, Ringling Brothers, oh. sorry, I'm not saying that correctly. So then that was that. And then by the time I was 17, I I was really tall. I was about five foot eight by then. And I was breaking bars. We, we would do these private, uh, really special, what do you call it, um, performances uh, for schools, for VIPs, for all kinds of different people. And we would, and they'd have me do a bar routine because I guess my bar routine was pretty cool because I did a, a cool uh, dismount. And, um, but I started breaking the bars in these, in these um, performances. It was so embarrassing. I was like 15, 16, cause I was too big. I was getting too big and, and I was too, the force of my weight was getting heavy and breaking the bars. So at 17, it was almost over for me. Um, and I went to Ohio one last try because I met a gymnastics coach. And we sort of, and it was kind of a dating situation too. And he got me to go to Ohio with him and be on his gymnastic team. And he wanted me to go to, he thought we could go to the Olympics from there, but that never took place. But I mean, we tried. And then I ended up being a gymnastic teacher on the team, mostly just teaching, which was fine. It was fun. And I enjoyed being in, in Ohio. So that was a good experience to experience another part of the country. And it was so very different. Geneva, Ohio on the lake. And they were all so kind. We, I mean, everybody there was just totally lovely. They, we were great, uh, greeted with TV cameras and on the, sh- on the news and all oh, the townspeople were so kind to us. So anyway, we did that. And then and I was 17. And a question about when you're a gymnast, sure. like I'm thinking usually shorter and more compact. And I know that the story uh-huh. of a lot of bluebell dancers is, they were in a ballet company and they were too tall or their legs were too long. So yeah. were you, were you like way taller and like even proportion, if you've got long enough legs to be in Hollywood, I know you did not have a typical gymnast body, I'm assuming. Well, as a little girl, I was very tiny. I was just really petite. So it was, I think I, you know, I don't, my legs weren't that long yet. And I was able to do everything, all the tumbling, everything. And, Um, but then, then, and I was thin, I was very thin. I started to grow and I started, the legs started getting longer. I started putting Mm. on weight and it was very hard to do back handsprings. Um, it's a lot more body to get around. Oh yeah. To make those things go fast. Cause I was used to doing them fast and doing big flips in the air and we were doing double flips and doing all kinds of stuff. And I couldn't, by the time I was about five foot eight, five foot nine. My flip flops were slow. I mean, I could still do five in a row or, or we, my friend Jody and I used to go to the park and do 10 in a row. And, and I was tall then, but 
it was, I don't know why, maybe it was outside and it was easier, but um, it, I just really started slowing down and uh, then breaking bars and it just, it just got too hard. It was literally too hard. And my coach and my dad realized I wasn't going to make it to the Olympics. It was pretty much to them. It was over. I mean, it was like, you know, I was trained to go to the Olympics period. I was the one that they were training. Wow. And, it, and so we did, we did, we made it to the nationals. We tense in the nation. That was good. But that is, that's as far as I was able to go. And, uh, and that, and that is completely fine. You know, so, did you yeah, feel fine in the moments that, I know they were disappointed, but did you feel like that was stopped mm-hmm. too soon or were you ready to do something else? Yeah. Or? It, I felt it stopped too soon, but to tell you the truth, um, I was ready to stop because I, my whole life was in the gym and yeah, I gave like... up, you know, a lot. I, I didn't have the, I didn't get to do anything else other than the only other thing I got to do was be in choir because my dad was a singer and he wanted me to be in choir and we had to get permission from my coach for me to be in choir. And so I got to, and I, I did that from first grade all the way up to 12th grade. I was in it every year. And that was the, other than that, my coach said, you can't be a cheerleader. You can't do skiing. You can't do anything else. That's all you're allowed to do. So my whole oh. life was regulated. Everything yeah. was regulated, you know, and um, I, I was invited by Kathy Rigby's coach, Bud Marquette from the scats team on at a, we were at a gymnastic meet one time and uh, one of the coaches went up to my dad and said, we'd like to have your, your daughter on our team. Let me go ask Bud Marquette. He was right there. And Bud said, yes, we'd love to have her. I just saw her perform and she's an Olympic hopeful, get her in. And so it was like for my dad and I, for my dad and I to have that, was like one of the biggest honors you could uh, you could possibly ever get and they found a family right then and there this is at a gymnastic meet this is right after the meet the family came up and said we'll take her we'd love to have her i mean it was all set we i mean i was ready to go to be on the Catherine rigby's team and um i got to go work out with them I, i got to train a little bit i mean it was just and perform in their their big show they do every year um but then once again it was not going to happen. And my mother just said, absolutely not. She's too young. I'm not going to have her go. I was 12 years old, I think then. And yeah. they, well, my father, you know, he was ready for it. He was willing to do it if, if, but it just, it was going to be too scary for my mom. So we didn't do that. But anyway, I don't know why I went back to that. Every, no, that was really interesting these, too. Cause that's, yeah. So, so when you were done and you knew you weren't going to make the Olympics, did you just stop or did you kind of keep it in your yeah. life? Because it feels like if there's no. no point or what did you do with that? Well, uh, a lot of, oh boy, there was a lot of, and then we're coming to that next point that we talked about before. There was a lot of um, emotional stuff going on in my household. My mom and dad uh, were having trouble. There was a lot of stuff happening and yeah, I basically just had to stop and my mom and I had to leave. We we left town to she split up with my dad for a while. So, we went to Santa Barbara and lived with my brother Bruce there and I finished high school there and I basically stopped gymnastics altogether. I just didn't there there was no I didn't know of any places to go and I was just trying to figure out my life as a teenager, a high school girl, yeah. you know, going to their high school and I hadn't I wasn't used to anything other than training, but mm-hmm. as it turned out, um, it all worked out. And, um, I went to, I went to college then my first year of college in San Diego and I lived with my aunt and I had a very good year there. Very, it was really fun and I did pretty well. And I took a ballet class and I enjoyed it so much. And then there was going to be a, um, a break in the summer, my sister-in-law said, come to the rainbow gathering. It's a really cool gathering. You'll have a break from college and just come on up. And I said, okay, it was in Oregon and I was in San Diego. So I drove up there and my car broke down. Unfortunately, it was an older car and I had to leave it. And I had like 20 miles 
from there to hitchhike over to the Rainbow Gathering, which I did. And this fellow picked me up. And uh, as it turned out, he, um, I saw him later that night to have dinner with he and his family and wife. And he, from there, took me and said, okay, I'll walk you. We're going to go to a peyote meeting because that's something that you should see. Everyone should experience it who come to the rainbow gatherings. And so he walked me through the woods and I said, how come we're going this way? And it was really dark. And he goes, oh, we're just going this way because it's a better way to go. And intuitionally, I knew something was wrong. And boom, right then and there, boom, there. He pushed me into a a 10-foot ditch, threw me in, and uh, put it, got his machete and put it up against my throat, put his hand over my mouth, and said, you be quiet or else you die. I said, okay. I mean, I didn't say anything. I couldn't say anything, and, and I got raped. And so that's my big, big baddie that happened to me. And um, so it, it, it changed my life forever. And I had, you know, a lot of PTSD and panic attacks. And I, anyway, from there, uh, I was surrounded by my sister friends and other friends and and our our little group that I was hanging out with. And they, you know, I got to stay with them for a while, a couple months more. And I realized that all I wanted to do in life, and we were in the middle of the canyon somewhere, and all I wanted to do was go dance. I just felt it in my heart. I just wanted to dance. Oh, and I wanted to do massage and I wanted to find a husband. And those three things came to me like, right, just so clearly. So I did, I permitted to go out and I did that. And I moved to Eugene, Oregon because my brother Bruce lived there. And, um, I just started a new life and, but you know, I had had that horrible experience that was still so much a part of me, but I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't want, I, I didn't tell anybody. No one knew. I never told any of my dancer friends. I never told my parents, my brothers, no one until later. I was 32 years old when I told my mom, finally. And I never mm-hmm. even told any of my friends ever. And the only time that I've ever said it now is right now or in some of my poet poems and I think I've written about it a few times in my column and Aww. because rape victims think it's their fault we somehow think that or any kind of attack and it was a it was a very uh, you know uh, it's very violent abusive violent violent attack Aww. and uh, so but, but anyway I, I knew I had to dance and that's all I did so I put my Can whole I life into that? dancing yeah, I feel like there's um, first. Thank you for sharing that because I know that yeah, you know, there's sometimes you want to blurt okay. things just to get it out, but yours feels like you're honoring your story the way you tell it, and the and the right. fact that thank to you. honor that it takes a we don't just tell that until it's safe or we're in a safe place to heal. So first, yes. just thank you, and I we might even do a little trigger warning because I have a feeling there's a lot of listeners that have had sexual assault as part of their story. And yeah. it is interesting because that's our body and that's what we do as a career. So the fact that you, you wanted to pursue dance, do you, did you feel like that was something you thought would be healing or an escape or return to something that you knew? Do you, there's even in picturing the things that you post of, I think you've given little hints and even the way the art yeah. that you display and things you say of your, your healing is something that's, I want, I want to say <laughs> ma- mystical or magical. It's holy, it's sacred, yeah. it's painful. Um, yep. But just uh, hearing this in light of, of how hard you worked as a gymnast and then this abrupt shift. Um, yeah. So back to that question is like, was dance to go back and dance and do massage. That's also very healing and connected mm-hmm. to bodies and a husband probably connected to bodies. <laughs> but those three yeah. things seem very deliberate in your choice. And I, you may not know the answer now. It may not even have come to you yet, but. Well, you're right about all of it. You're, you're so right on, Sherry. You're so intuitive and, and, and you see the deeper side of things. Um, that's exactly it. it. It was like it took me into another realm of myself when that happened. I was never the same. You know, even though, even though I was still me, but there was something that happened to my spirit. Um, 
it 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 opened it up, but it also hurt me. It it I don't know. It it did something really intense. Oh. It changed. You know, it change change it changes you forever, and because it was pretty volatile, that I I had severe severe phobias. I mean, not just small ones. I couldn't. I couldn't do certain things. I couldn't be around certain people for years and years. It's still, still today when my husband and I go walking, I, if people are close to us, I have to get out of the way and let them walk past because I feel like they're following me or, or something. You know, I, I don't yeah. trust it. It's still real scary. So, but yeah, when I was, when that happened, um, we, uh, I, I went off with this little group of people. We were close friends and, my sister-in-law was pregnant and she was going to have a baby out in the wilderness. That's what her dream was. So we, we went to this private place. There was like 10 of us. And I got to just hang out in this camp with them. And Buffalo and Moonstone were these very famous people, actually, um, who lived off the land. And we got to be with them. And she was a Christian lady. So we had prayer every night. So I got to do, you know, we did circles with, with the fire and we did prayers. And so during that, I became, I got to feel what I really wanted in my life. I, I could feel it in my spirit. And we were out in the woods and you're looking up at the stars all the time. So you can hear things when you're out of the city more easily when you're out in the woods, you know, you can just feel and hear and, and sense. And that's what came to me was that I, I needed to dance and I needed to do massage. And I started doing massage there in the camp and I had never had any training. I just started oh, wow. doing it. And so it, it was just meant to be. And so that's how it all worked out. I mean, it just, it, and I did all those things it, and that, that, that was my life for the rest of my life. That's what I did for the rest of my life. And so it was, and the dancing completely, I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want to talk about it. I, all I wanted to do was dance and I joined this dance company at Lane Community College. It was a community college in Oregon, in Eugene. And she chose, she, you know, I, I auditioned for it and she chose me. And um, I put my whole life into it. I just completely, we took, I took all of her classes, Mary C. Ryder, she was the artistic director and teacher, choreographer. And then I started teaching for her, started teaching classes there too, because I was so involved and I got in the, I was in two dance companies and we performed everywhere in the schools, high schools, um, lecture demonstrations. We were in the theaters, every, all the theaters went to Portland in theaters, in the parks. I mean, we just, we did so many shows and she was so brilliant. Here's this woman somewhere in little, old, little, little town, Eugene, who's an absolute genius absolute who does these amazing shows and can choreograph like no one I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And she, you know, she knew my story, although I couldn't talk about the rape, but she knew something had happened to me and I couldn't talk about it. But she said, you're a, you're a choreographer. You're an artist just like me. And I see it in you. And I want you to start choreographing and I want you to start teaching and choreographing. So I started choreographing. And started making up dances and they performing them in, in our shows. And, but she wanted more out. She, you know, she said, you're not pushing yourself. You can do more of this. You're, you're an artist. That's what you, you are. And, but I had, I had too many blocks and she says, I know you're all blocked up and I know there's stuff you can't talk about, but you know, I know you can do this, but I was, I was still really blocked up from the, from that experience. And I couldn't, you know, I, I did, I did choreograph and I could hear music. Oh my goodness. And I could see things and all that. And so I did, I used those skills, you know, I used them, but I couldn't do it like her. I just couldn't cause I was still emotionally in turmoil yeah. and, um, and I didn't really, even though I could perform and I taught classes there, I could still work and all that, but I just couldn't do everything, you know? And so anyway, I spent five years with my beloved dance company, Sea Rider Dance Company, and um, I, my father said, you need to come home now. It's time for you to make money because I was so poor. I drove a bicycle everywhere. I didn't have a car or anything. 
And, uh, you know, and I lived with five, six people at a time and we grew gardens in our backyard, but it, it was a beautiful place to live. It, it was so communal type, you know, so community oriented there and so many artists running around. I mean, you could go to the park and they'd be playing music and a band would be there. I mean, you could just go anytime and there'd be an incredible band and people would be outside dancing and just, you know, <laughs> free in the in the will, in the, in the grass and that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, so I said, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to come home. So I went home to Vegas and there it was 1980, 85 or six, I think. And, uh, he, so I started taking class at backstage right away. And yay, backstage. <laughs> yay. That's my home. Love that studio. And, Oh, so do I. I trained there for twenty something years, and really? uh, oh yeah. And did you ever I dance with every... Elise? Was oh Elise my God! Yes, I took many of her ball. I took her class for a few years, her regular ballet class every yes. for many, yeah, several years. I love. I was very close to her. Really? And so, oh yes, so many of us were though. You know, we mm -hmm. took her class, and she was our mom. She was our. Mm. Uh, showbiz mom and um, so was Joan Palethorpe and Steve Becker was there. Jane, and... Joan Palethorpe choreographed the show I was in in Montreal and I always wanted to work with Ron Lewis but because her style yes. came from him I was like I, I was in heaven I love that style I didn't realize that she oh, was so a backstage dancer. Yes I took her classes and I got introduced to that style and that was it I mm. loved that style yeah. and I got to do it in the Bahamas with Betsy Hogg, performer, oh, uh, Betsy Hogg. Our oh, my choreographer. Gosh. Love, yeah. love, love her. And oh yeah, and we did a whole we did a whole show on that style. And I I could, oh God, I if could. If you do have that videotape, style. if you have anyone finds video or has video, Betsy Hogg, I used to take from one of her proteges in Puerto Rico. And so when I took from her in New York, I almost cried the whole time because I love that style so much. Isn't so you got to perform. Oh, love that. Yes, I got to perform her her work. It was so much fun that show in the Bahamas. But anyway, so anyway, uh, the back to uh, Vegas, <laughs> back to Vegas at backstage dance studio. I took every class that they had, every jazz class, every ballet class that I could do. Two classes a day for mm -hmm. about a year, at least a year. I got to know all the dance teachers. Um, I loved every single one of them. I, I was, I was a fanatic. I didn't, I went every single day and I was determined to be a dancer, a professional dancer. I went to 35 auditions. I didn't get anything. I was oh, freaking wow. out just like, what's wrong with me? So then I started, yeah. you know, I, I mean, and I was just, I don't know. I called the shows at night in between shows. Can I come audition? I go audition or you know, I went to, I did so much. I, I got to learn. I finally got to learn what it was like to be in Vegas because in, in Oregon, we were modern dance and she did the kind of jazz that was Matt Maddox and yes. uh, Giordano and uh, Luigi, that kind of stuff. And then she was into the total modern dance, you know, uh, all those ladies. And that's what we did. And we did ballet too. We did point work, point show, you know, we had, we were on point in some of our shows, but it wasn't, it wasn't show showy, showy Las Vegasy kind of stuff, you know, or LA. I wasn't used to moving my hips that way, except for the African stuff we did. Uh, she, I did some African stuff with Mary in the Oregon too, and choreographed some African stuff. That's when I first choreographed one of my first dances was uh, not first. I did several dances there, but anyway, Oh my God, I'm going on and on. Um, it's so we exciting get to, to me, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm sorry, it's no, this is so exciting, good. all of it, and yeah. so backstage, and I got to work with uh, Winston, and Rich Rizzo, and Mark Montanay, and oh god, there's so many, let me, let me just, I want to mention his name, because we did a, we, at Hell Hollywood, he and I, I did a, um, Jim, Jim, and, um, God. Okay. I'll, I'll think I have, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. Yet. <laughs> so anyway, uh, finally, finally, and I got my hair fixed. I got my eyebrows fixed. I mean, I did whatever I had to do to fix me, to make me look right, 
and you know the the modeling agents and I did modeling a little bit and they said and I kept saying how am I getting it how can I get into the dance you know and they said fix yourself up so I did but finally finally Rich Rizzo says look I'm gonna get you in girl time for you to get in here we go and (laughs) he got me in I know he's so kind I just love him so much anyway he got me in Minsky's burlesque and he was a line captain in the show there. I remember that and show. They, huh? I just, I just remember that show. I just had a flash of that. Yes. Sorry, I haven't heard that name in a long time. No, that's okay. Yeah, it was at the Hacienda. And um, so I, got, I, I started working there. And the time of my life, they had a tap number in there that I could not do very well at all. And even though in Oregon, we did a tap number with this ballerina from the uh, Oregon uh, Ballet Company. Uh, Eugene Ballet Company, she taught me this incredible tat number that we performed all over town, and I had no problem with it. It was a really hard one. It was a very hard tap, and I did it. I'd never had tap lessons, but I went to Minsky's, and for some reason, I couldn't do the tap number there, and it was so easy. It was so easy. I don't know. It was just (laughs) mental. It was like a mental thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was, but it doesn't matter. I did it. And I did the show. I loved the show. I loved everything about it. It was the cutest show you could ever imagine. Um, but I hadn't learned the cutesy thing yet. I wasn't attuned to that kind of dance yet. I, if you had me do it now, I could do it so easily now. You know what I mean? Because I've had mm-hmm. so much more experience. But back then, I just wasn't attuned to it. And my hair, I wasn't fixing my hair. And they wanted me to fix it up and curl it. I have really long hair. And so anyway, the producer got annoyed with me and he fired me. And so um, but I had friends who came over and I asked them to come watch me. And they said, you look absolutely gorgeous in this show. You're just fine. There's nothing wrong with you. So it was that I, you know, there was more to the story. I I think Rich got me in because I was his friend. I was his his, um, student and he wanted me to be there. And, and, you know, and so it, it was a privilege type thing. And, they had different ideas of who they wanted in. They just didn't really want me. But I got to be there for four months and experience it. And during that time, they had, and I'm grateful to Rich. He taught me how to do the showgirl walk. That was the Don Arden walk. I never knew how. And I mean, I learned all kinds of stuff. And we had to, they asked us to uh, gamble for, them for the sh- for the hotel after after the show. And I went ahead and did it. I had no problem doing it. I was very happy to. I'd get dressed up. And my dad, he just cracked up. He just says, oh, my goodness. He goes, you just go ahead and do it. And I already knew how to play blackjack. I'd I'd played blackjack a lot with my dad. (laughs) We played all the time at home. So it was really easy for me. And a few times he'd come over and watch because he just thought that was so funny that the hotel was asking us to do that. But he, he understood. He knew that was what was going on back then. And so he'd watch me play and we would pretend that we were incognito, you know, we'd wink at each other. And anyhow, um, so we did that for, and, but that didn't last too long. And then I got a job for Hello Hollywood. I went and auditioned and got you in. got the and job so that, after all those. Yeah, See, I these got are the stories. This is so good because I feel like some people, their first audition, they get it. And some people, it's good to hear that you sometimes you have to do it over and over and you learn something from every audition and the people that persist, that's very different than if, if, you know, you got your first audition, you don't learn the same. So I think that's really yeah. good to hear that audition story too, that if you don't get it the first 35 times, you're going to keep going because you, you, you <laughs> got going. it. You did get it. Well, I knew, see, the thing is, I knew in my heart that this was my calling. There was nothing going to, I would have gone 50 more auditions. It wouldn't have mattered to me because I met all kinds of people. I got to oh, know yeah. the choreographers and I got to try different dance styles and see all the dancers. I knew in my heart that I was going to perform. I'd already been a performer and I was good at it. I wasn't the best technical dancer. I didn't have enough ballet to be a really good technical dancer, but I was a good performer and I could act and I could smile. So, um, you know, I knew, and but I loved to dance. You know, I, of course I was a dancer. I could dance, but, you know, I wasn't like, the, in, even in college, the girls were ballerinas. They were all ballerinas that I danced with in Sea Rider Dance Company. So anyway, I wasn't. I was a, you know, a gymnast that became a dancer. So anyhow, 
um, I forgot to tell you, before I went to Hello Hollywood, I, I also went to Japan, too. I got the uh, Japan show in uh, Tokyo, and that was Minnie Madden's show. She choreographed it with Rick Milland. And that show was also another phenomenal show. We did three shows a day. We didn't have any day off. We, we did four shows on the weekend. And it was a very, very uh, athletic, uh, aerobic type show. And I got to be a, 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 an acrobat, too. She oh, let me do wow. my acrobats. Yep, in there. And I was grateful to her that she let me do that. And no aerials. If I wanted to do aerials, but I was going to slip because the floor was very slippery. So I only did front handspring walkouts. I know you don't probably don't know what those are, but um, oh, I do. They're, I do. Okay. <laughs> I just... And um, wow. So you got to got use to, your gymnastics and, skills. That's pretty yes, amazing. I did. Yes, and that was that was just incredible. And we had the most incredible time in Japan. It was just. The whole thing was phenomenal. Everything about it. it just, oh, I loved every minute of it. So, and thanks to Minnie Madden. And, uh, and that producer happened to come to Vegas one time and invited us all to dinner over at Caesars. And then he continued to, in, to ask us to be in his upcoming shows. We, I got asked so many times to come back. So that was just a very positive, positive yeah. connection that we had. And so I got to have those two shows on my belt before I went to Hello Hollywood. And, That's a, um, yeah. So what was yeah. that like? Because you told me something that just cracked me up about your personality of oh, uh, yeah. going. Can you share that? Because I love that. And I will. Just hearing more of your story is just like, <laughs> okay. that's a great character. Okay. Well, um, I, but first, just real quickly, I just want to tell you about Don Arden just for a second. Oh, yes, please. When I, when I did that audition and Jillian, Jillian was there at the audition and Don Arden was there and there were only two of us, Cynthia and I, were the only two girls auditioning in front of Don Arden and Jillian. Can you believe that? It wasn't hmm. a big catacall at all. It was just two of us. And um, Leslie Bandy gave the audition. And I had already taken Leslie Bandy's ballet class. So she did a combination that we did in ballet class. So <laughs> oh, nice. I could do it. Yes, I could do it. And I think it was blue sleeves. And so, you know, he gave the nod. He nodded at both of us, smiled, and that was it. Boom, we were in. Oh, wow. That was the most incredible, you know. And then when I got in the show, everybody told me about Don Arden in the and I told them about the audition and they said, oh my God, you did so well. If he smiled and nodded at you and didn't say anything, oh my God, you're so lucky. <laughs> so I was very honored. Yeah. But when I got in that show and I was beyond ecstatic and just excited and I, oh, they were so nice to me. Everybody, all the dancers, the performers, the singers, the bosses, Jillian and Adrian. Oh, God. I mean, everybody knows about Jillian and Adrian, how yep. loving they are mm -hmm. and who've ever worked there. But, um, yeah, but <laughs> my dad, my mom and dad drove me up there. And my dad took me into the office with Jillian. And my mom was there, too. And he just kind of looked at her. And then and he, oh, I forget what I said to you, but it was almost like, like he was trying to tell her, here, take her. <laughs> you're gonna have. Uh, it, it was. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just mostly a thing like, you're gonna have your hands full a little bit, <laughs> because uh, wait till she comes in. And what he meant by that, and he didn't actually say it, but what he meant was, I wanted to do everything, you know. Yeah. And uh, I would ask the line captains, and I'd say, you know, I want to do top hat. No, you can't do top hat. You're not technical enough for it, and you don't need to do it. And I said, yeah, I do. I do need to do it. And, <laughs> and they would be like, no, 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 you're, you're not ready for top hat. And I said, I've performed all my life. I'm ready for top hat, you know. And, and so that was that. And then I'd wait six months, and I'd go to the line captain, and I'd say, can I do top hat? No, you can't do top hat. Now, then that was one line captain. Um, um, it wasn't Cynthia. It wasn't Cindy. And it wasn't, uh, it's Janine. 
not those two. It was another one. But she was a good line captain, don't get me wrong. She was just doing her job. Janine told me, go ahead, go ahead and ask Jillian. Just go in there and ask. So, and I think Cindy said the same thing. Or she might have been gone by then. But anyway, so I went into the office to talk to Jillian and Adrian. And I said, I want to do Top Hat. It wasn't, it wasn't like, can I do Top Hat? It was more like, <laughs> I want to do Top Hat. <laughs> I was such a brat. I can't believe what a brat I was. And they just kind of like looked at me and they said, okay. And I said, yeah, I want to do it. And they said, okay, well, you're going to have to audition for it, young lady. And you got to learn the dance. And you then, when you learn it, you come back in and then we'll audition for you. And I said, okay. And so my roommate at the time was Beatrix Caston, And she and I went downstairs and uh, that's where the ostrich was. And, um, a few times the ostrich would get, would be running around. <laughs> it was you know, and so that was funny a few times. But anyway, she taught me how to do it. And then upstairs a few times, Georgie Bernasek, uh taught me more of it too. And with the two of those very, very good dancers, in fact, star dancers, with their training, I learned Top Hat. And I auditioned for it, and I got in, and I got Yay! it. <laughs> oh, my Yay! Oh, I love that number. So that was I wasn't fun. in it. So I, that's, yes, I want to clap for you right now because that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, How I, long did you I do mean, the show? How long did you do Hello, Just Hollywood? a year and a half. It was just a year and a half. You know, it wasn't really all that long. And, but, but I just wanted to get in everything that I could, as much as I could, you know. And, I mean, when I look back and think, Oh my God, you went in there and just said, you're going to, I need to do this, you know, spoiled brat, but it's okay. You know, I mean, I got to do it and I was very proud of it. And, uh, I was in the very, very back row on the right stage, right corner. And that was just perfect for me. I was very happy to be there and it was just fantastic. So anyway, um, did you did you go on and do any other Bluebell shows or any other production shows after Hello yes. Hollywood? Oh my goodness, yes! Oh my God, that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg here. So after that, I I uh, went to um, we a couple of the girls and I went home to visit my mom and dad, and they stayed with me. And we they wanted to audition for the show, and um, so we went to backstage to audition. It was going to be in the Bahamas, and. Uh, uh, the producer, Dick Francisco, came up to me and said, he came right up to me. I don't know him. You know, I, I was in my street clothes. He said, I want you to be in my show. And I said, no, no, my friends are here to audition. They're the ones who need to be in your show, not me. No, you need to be in my show. And I go, oh, my God, who wow. is he? What <laughs> is this? And it was like, okay, well, um, he goes, if you want to, why don't you audition so I can figure out where, you know, where I'm going to put you. I said, I'm not doing your show. I'm doing Hello Hollywood. That's where I want to stay. I don't want to do any other show right now. No, just go ahead and audition. Go ahead. Go ahead. And let me see where I'm going to use you. <laughs> and I thought, God. So I did. I, you know, I went ahead and auditioned it with my street clothes. And he, and from there, he called me every day for the next week and said, did you make up your mind yet? He wouldn't let it go. He would not let wow. it go. He said, you have to be in, you can be in it for three years. I'll set you up. I'll get you going. I'll get it, whatever you need, anything you need. I will take care of it. Mm. Unbelievable. So I decided to do it. I did. I mean, I mean, I've never had, you know, that was just like, wow. So I decided to do it. And, um, I went with Kevin Cashmore. We both, we were roommates. We got along phenomenally. We had the best time together. And I did the show there for a year and I had the option to go for three, three years, but I wanted to come home because, um, you know, and I, I became, I was very good friends with Dick and he was a very, very kind uh, person to me, uh, very professional. Uh, it was just easy. Everything about that whole situation with the show, with the whole thing was just a piece of cake for me. It flowed. It flowed. Mm. It was, I just loved it. And I fell in love. I mean, what can you do? I fell in mm. love with one of the one of the one of the dancers, and he was a, <laughs> a 
a dance teacher. He taught RAD ballet, and he was a choreographer, and he was very, very well-known, very well-respected, a brilliant artist. He's still teaching there today. Um, and it was quite a time. I mean, it was a beautiful time. And, uh, okay, honey, honey, my husband's right next to me. And so, <laughs> so but I had this dream, uh, feel, I felt like I needed to choreograph a show and I was thinking about it. And my friend, Lori, uh, Haydock came up to me and said, let's choreograph a show. And I said, wow, I was just thinking about that. So we, we choreographed a show there. We did our own show. Unbelievable. Uh, after our show there, I only did one piece. She did like three and we, and we did that. So that was neat. And our producer came all the way from Seattle to come see our show. He, he flew in to see it. And so really? we were blessed. Oh yeah, he, he was, he, he, he did that for us. And we had a very good reception that people liked it. It, it did very well. And, so I had a good experience with that. It was nice. And then I was known as a choreographer. That, then my whole identity changed. And they started calling me a choreographer. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I'd done choreography in college. but So that was funny to be called a choreographer. It's like I got introduced. Oh, yes, this is Jan. She's from the, uh, you know, the jubilation show. She's a choreographer. I, I go, oh, my God. That was different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, we, I know you probably have more stories, but we are coming to the end of the time, but I feel like there's okay. so much more that we might have. To, I keep saying this people, I want to do part two because, um, there's so much in there, but I, I, when you said earlier, like one of your teachers told you you were a choreographer before yeah. you even knew that. And then yep. to hear this part of your story, there's yeah. so many wonderful contrasts. That that makes up. You, and the fact that you, you got discovered doing tumbling in your yard and you got discovered someone's going to make, make it possible for you Bahamas, but you also had to audition 35 times to get it. I love that there's the both and in your story. Yes. Like there's yeah. that, like, I didn't even have, I just got this. And then the other thing is you had to work so hard. And then I'm just thinking of you as this hippie dancing in the grass who described this. And you're also like such, I mean, to be a gym, a Olympic hopeful, to be such a hard worker. I mean, there's such a fun contrast because I could feel like you could be so, so rigorous and like, I'm going to train and I'm not yeah. going to have any fun. But then you have this other whimsical side that makes you like this really and wonderful enigma. <laughs> of, uh, yeah, I'm so glad to have this interview with you because I feel like I know I would, like, I would love to have a glass of wine and just talk more um, because there's so much beauty in your Thank story. You. And I'm sad that we have to kind of wind it down but yes. one of the things that really also stood out is how that person told you were, you were a choreographer and other things that people spoke oh into goodness. your life that saw things in you. And like, mm -hmm. even if you could have given up on auditioning, like, oh, never mind. There, I think it's when, when people see us that those words maybe come back later, like, oh, wait, that actually made a difference because I know almost everybody I've interviewed has said someone that told them something like, you're never going to make it. But they also have someone that says, I see something in you and maybe, maybe call something out of us that we didn't know we had. If someone sees it before we do, I think there's, there's quite a right. bit of your story about that, that actually, uh, I, mm. I just want to thank those people. And I don't know that, um, oh. you, even the way you called out something in me about being um, intuitive, like, I think you, yeah. you might do that naturally. So as we're mm -hmm. winding down, is there anything that you want to maybe even say to your younger self that you see now that you didn't see? Like speak that oh word gosh. of calling out to that younger part, especially in that really hard time in your life, you know, where it probably felt like hard to find what is good. Right. Oh gosh. Thanks for the interview. I, Oh God, I went on and on and on. No, and I didn't good. even get so, to half the shows. I, right. didn't even, I only got to half the shows, but anyway, um, to my younger self, I would just, I was never happy with myself. I would tell my younger self, my goodness, you're, you've done a good job. You've done well. You're good enough. God, you don't have to take 50 million ballet classes to prove it to yourself. You're, you're good enough. Oh. Your, your body is fine. You don't have to be thin, that thin. You don't have to have it always thin. You can, you know what I mean? I was always out for per perfection. I just wanted to be right. I wanted everything to be right. And I, it's like my, 
I didn't think that I was ever, I never thought that I was really right all the, you know, I mean, I, I knew I was okay because people gave me compliments, but I, in myself, I just always had to push, push, push to make sure that I was okay, you know, and I would tell my younger self, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Relax. Relax yeah. and enjoy it. <laughs> I oh. would say that to younger people. Relax and just enjoy it. You know, yeah. just enjoy it, man. Oh. <laughs> it goes by so fast. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the yeah. fact that we have the power and to speak into other people's lives and other people's spoken years, I think it's just this interesting thing that we can actually heal those younger parts of ourselves with the knowledge and the mm-hmm. love that we have now that that younger person probably yeah. didn't have that word like it's okay for you to take a break it's okay yes. for you your body is great yeah your body yes. is, is wonderful how it is so i we're gonna end as sad as this okay. is hard because i would love to talk to you more but um we'll oh. post if you're willing to share some photos um oh i will sure post them and i posted top hat on uh, hello hollywood but i actually have the full show so i'm gonna post a few more maybe when okay. i launch yours of maybe space or something else of that fellow Hollywood okay. about a magnificent show. Okay. So on this, the fact that Don Arden just smiled and nodded. Okay. You, you did good girl. <laughs> you did good. Thank you. <laughs> you Thank you. Thank you for letting um, me go on and on and on about myself. No, that's oh my what God. These are. It's just, we're just telling our stories and there's one thing yeah. will trigger another and it's all good. There's, it was such beautiful things in there that I think different people okay. will resonate with, with the whole thing, but different parts will definitely yeah. speak to something that, I'm that glad. we need to hear. So take Thank care, my you. friend. I'm hoping for your health I will. Uh, that you'll recover and get that body back that's yours, yeah. healed Aww. and healthy. Thank you. Okay. Thank you take so care. much. Thank you. I was so, I'm so honored to do this. Thank you so much. I'm glad <laughs> that we both hung it. in there till it happened. Okay. Yeah, take care, my friend. Too. Okay. Bye. Bye.